Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you have your Bibles, I hope that you do. If you'll turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 14 is where we'll be this morning. Mark chapter 14. Today, the title of my sermon is um, is, uh, Betraying uh, Words and Actions That Betray. Words and Actions That Betray. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever um, said something in your life. I'm sure we all have. Um, said something in our life at some point we kind of have that open mouth insert foot um, uh, day that you said something you just I wish I would not have said that it came out before I thought or have you ever done something that you just really really regret and many times our our words will betray us right our actions will uh, betray us I heard the story of a a young man he was working at a, a grocery store and he was working at the produce department when, and a lady came up to him in the produce department. She had a head of lettuce and she said to the young man, she said, um, she said, can, would you, would you sell me a half of head of lettuce? A little boy, kind of young man looked at her and said, a half a head. He said, lady, are you serious? He said, God grows these things as full heads. He says, that's, and so therefore that's how we sell them. Little sweet little lady persisted. She said, you mean after all the years I've shopped here at this grocery store, you won't sell me a half of head of lettuce. He said, look, i tell you what, I'll go ask the manager. So that by the time he left her in the produce section and, and kind of stomped off to the um, front of the um, um, grocery store and found his manager. And he said, he walked up to the manager and says, you won't believe this. He said, but there's a lame brand idiot woman out in the produce section and she wants to know if, if she can buy half a head of lettuce. The manager kind of pointed to him to make sure he realized the lady had followed him. <laughs> and it pointed that he was there. He kind of turned and says, and this was the nice lady who was wondering about buying the half head of lettuce. So later the manager came up to the, the young man and says, Phew. that was the kind of the quickest, finest example I've ever seen of someone just being quick on their feet. And, um, and, and turning that around. He said, how did you learn that? Where did you learn to be so quick and, and smooth that over? He said, well, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He said, if you know anything about Grand Rapids, Michigan, he said, you know it's known for great hockey and ugly women. About that time, the manager looked at him, his face got red. He said, my wife's from Grand Rapids. <laughs> the produce boy said, what hockey team did she play for? <laughs> You know, sometimes our words and our actions can get us in trouble very quickly. Um, and I don't know about you, but today as we come to this passage of Scripture, we really see that. We see in this passage, these are words of, in this passage and actions in this passage that betray Jesus. And if you think about what you say, as Scripture says in Luke, Luke 6, 43-45, it says, No good tree bears bad fruits, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, but each tree is known by its fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes are picked from bamboo brush or bush. The good person out of good treasure 
of his heart produces good. And an evil person out of the treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you think about that, if our words do betray us and our actions betray us, if they really do reveal what's in our heart, then what is your word saying about your relationship with Jesus? What is your action saying about your relationship with Jesus? I heard one said before that integrity is who you are when no one's looking. So what are today? I just want you, as we come to this passage, and before we even start today, I want you, to, I hope today that you will take some time of reflection. I thought Paul David Tripp in his devotion book here, Journey to the Cross, was really pointed that many times that he talks about coming to know the Lord and, and um, God beginning to work on his heart and, and breaking his sin. And he said too many times when God speaks, we're quick to point out how he should be speaking to someone else or how somebody else needs to be listening or somebody else has got the sin problem and we don't really want to deal with the sin that's in our own life. As I start this morning, I just want to call you to that. Let's think about your words. When no one's looking, when no one's around, when you're at home, when you're at work, when you're with your friends, do you talk differently? What is your talk saying about you and your love for Jesus? Do you use different language? Do you gossip? You, lead, you tear others down with your words? you slander others with your words? What is it saying about your heart today? How about your actions? Does your actions outside of church reflect a love for Jesus? Are you lustful? Do you have a problem with lying? Do you have bitterness towards someone? Do you have problems with substance abuse of some sort? Or some other form of addiction? What is that saying about you and your relationship with Jesus? You know, I ask you today, I want to commend you or, or lead you today to, to look at your words, look at your actions. Do they betray Jesus? Well, in this passage today, we see where words and actions betray Christ. Let's read the passage together. Will you stand with me? It's Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 43. It says, immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and elders. Verse 44 of chapter 14 says, now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who, who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you didn't seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled Verse 51 says, a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they sieged him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. 
Lord, we all at times have not been careful with our words. Lord, we've not been careful with our actions. And Lord, our words and our actions have betrayed you in many ways. Lord, today I pray that we would reflect on our own personal walk with you today. Lord, we would not look to others and what is or isn't in others' lives, but Lord, may we look to our own life today. May we examine our hearts. Lord, may we be open to your Holy Spirit's leading today, speaking, convicting, prodding today. God, may we surrender, Lord, to your work today. Lord, I pray that as we gather together today that, Lord, you would use me as your messenger. Lord, I am a sinful man, no different than these disciples here who desperately need your forgiveness, your grace, and your empowerment. So, Lord, may you speak through me your word today, and may you use that same Holy Spirit to speak through me, the same Holy Spirit to speak to your congregation today. May you open the eyes of the blind, and you give hearing to those um, who, Lord, you're drawing to today. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for today. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Would you first look in this passage, the words that betray. Now, if you're a member, and I'll just turn your attention to this, and you can go and look at this further if you like. But if you go to the very beginning of Mark chapter 14, you kind of see how this whole scene sets up. This is um, in chapter 14, you see that two days before the Passover, and so that would roughly be, I think, Tuesday um, here, that um, the Pharisees are plotting to capture and kill Jesus. So they plot to do that. It's the chief priests, the scribes, and um, come together, and they're, they're trying to decide how they're going to capture Jesus. And they basically have this idea that they want to catch him um, by stealth. And, and what they're plotting at, there's probably one million or, or several million Jews in Jerusalem at the time for Passover. And they're fearful if they don't handle this correctly, that Jesus has such a following that it'll cause a riot within the city. So they're plotting how to do this. And so they basically come down, if you see the verses 1 and 2, they basically come down to the, the, the idea they'll wait until after the feast. That means they're going to wait until after the Passover. Because after, after the Passover, most people like a, a, a good ball game. After the game's pretty much over, most people will leave. I'm not going to talk about any game that was last night now. I know y'all were thinking that. But, um, you know, a lot of people will leave, and that's kind of the, the idea here. And so they think, okay, after Passover, most people will leave. And so that's when we can, um, that's when we'll get Jesus. Because most people will be headed home. There'll be very few people still left in the city. That's where we'll capture him. We see that after that, a lady comes in, and she anoints Jesus um, with oil, with this costly perfume. And Judas speaks up, and he's, um, he questions of why she would waste so much costly perfume. And, and right after that moment, we see G- Judas make his way to those same three groups, his chief priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees. And he, he, he forms a plot. See, they're, they're going to do everything kind of publicly or in Jerusalem. He kind of comes up with another plan. Because he knows Jesus' kind of itinerary and what Jesus is doing. He's part of the inner circle. He's one of the disciples. He knows his plans. He plots to let's capture him privately, quietly. So we don't have to wait until after everything's done. We can kind of do it midstream. So he plots to betray Jesus. So we understand that, that then he goes back and he eats the meal and Jesus predicts his betrayal. And then here in this passage is where everything kind of comes, all the plan comes together. 
You see the imagery of the passage that as they're leaving the Garden of Gethsemane, you see in verse 42, rise up and let us be going. See my betrayers at hand. Jesus is fully aware everything is going on. And while he still even gets those words, Scripture says in verse, verse 43, out of his mouth, it says immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. So is that three group that we see in verses 1 and 2, and also um, I'm plotting with Judas in verses 10 and 11. They come together, and look what happens. Now the betrayer, verse 44 says, had given them a sign saying, this is the one I, will, um, the one I kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. Notice those are Judas' words. Words of betrayal. I'll show you who he is. He'll be coming out of the Garden of Gethsemane. We'll come to him privately. And the one that I kiss, that's the one. That's the one that you capture. It's amazing that that same Judas is the one who's followed Jesus. The same Judas who, who has said that he will not fall away, as all of them did. It's the same Judas um, who's betrayed him here. You come to this passage and look at what happens in verse 45. And when they came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi. You know, if you think about this passage and you think about this idea of Rabbi, him calling that, is a, it was a term of endearment. It was a term of declaring Jesus as his teacher. Um, you understand and kind of... Um, historical times and, and early biblical times there would be this idea of you would have a t teacher mentor relationship and your teacher was your mentor that's someone you looked up to that's someone you admired that's someone you followed and, um, and and you see this he he even comes up and he declares him or Jesus you're my rabbi you're my teacher you know, if you think about Matthew, and um, R.C. Sproul and his commentary on the book of Mark um, brought this out, and I just think it's really important for us to see this parallels. In Matthew 7, 22 through 23, Jesus says these words. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus declared to his disciples and, and teaching before crowds that there would be many on that last day who would come to Jesus or come to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord. Now that Lord, Lord kind of that, comes that same term of endearment that Judas declared by de declaring him rabbi. It's a, it's a term by, uh, and you see this, this name of rep uh, uh, repeating a name, Lord, Lord, is the idea of declaring someone that you have a relationship with, that you have um, an intimate relationship with, you know personally. And we see this all through Scripture, and Sproul pointed this out. If you, if you go back, and this happens 15 times in the New Testament and the Old Testament, in Genesis 22, as you see Abraham is there um, going to sacrifice his son, in Genesis 22, 11, it says, and the Lord called out to Abraham. So not only does it note a personal relationship between man and, and Jesus, as he's describing in Matthew, but it describes a personal relationship that God has with man. He cries out to Abraham as Abraham's leaning up, and he says, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham says, here I am. 
The Lord cried out and says his intimately how much he knew Abraham by calling him twice. We see that same thing with Jacob in Genesis 46, 2 through 4. As Jacob's struggling with going to the land of Goshen and he has a vision in the middle of the night. And it's the Lord speaking out to um, Jacob just as he spoke out to Abraham and he says, Jacob, Jacob, here I am. Don't be afraid to go down to, um, to Egypt. I will go with you. We see the same words in Moses, and these are passages we just read over the last few weeks in our Bible reading. In Exodus 3, when he's in Midian, and God's raising up Moses out of Midian to go and to lead the people out of bondage, he cries out to Moses from that fiery bush, and he says, Moses, Moses, here I am. We see this in Samuel, and we'll see this coming up pretty soon, 1 Samuel chapter 3. As Samuel's there, a little boy in the middle of the night, staying in the temple, he hears a voice crying out him in the, in the middle of the night, and the voice cries out, Samuel, Samuel. We see this when Elisha declares his relationship with Elijah. Elijah, his mentor, someone he looked up to, and Elisha, I mean, Elijah's called up to heaven, and Elisha cries out to him, my father, my father. We see David cry out for his relationship with his son. When his son dies, David cries out, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. Jesus, we see, he, he uses the same um, tool to show his relationship, his intimate, personal relationship with people. We see it in Luke 10. We just read this just a week or so ago. There was Martha who was busy. Mary, who was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things. We see Jesus speaking to Simon, just intimately um, prophesying his future betrayal. He says, Simon, Simon. We see Jesus in just the song that we just sung talk about his love for his people of Israel when he says oh Jerusalem Jerusalem we see Jesus call out Saul and Acts they're blinded he cries out Saul Saul why are you persecuting me but maybe the greatest of all examples maybe the example of Mark chapter 15 we'll get there don't worry Jesus is on the cross and he says my God my God why have you forsaken me here Judas comes to Jesus comes to Jesus and before he betrays him with a kiss he says rabbi rabbi it showed that he had this, or he declared that he had this intimate, personal affection for Jesus. But it was not true, was it? He said one thing with his mouth to Jesus, and he said another to those leaders. His words betrayed him. You know, Jesus would not only say that about Many of those would say, Lord, Lord, but he would say in Matthew 7, 15, 7 through 9, you hypocrites, 
Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when you say, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching the doctrines of men. I think that's so true, isn't it? If we examine our hearts, we examine our words. What is our words outside of here, at home, at work? with our friends, with our family? Are they betraying us? Are they betraying Jesus? Are we saying one thing before others and saying another thing to the Lord? I think if you think about this passage for a minute, you go back to the the Matthew passage, it says, Matthew 7, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, in that passage there's many who will be like Jesus when Jesus returns. I mean, there will be many who will be like Judas, excuse me, on that day, and many who will say, Lord, Lord. There are many who will declare that they have a personal affection for Jesus. They'll have a personal relationship, maybe an intimate relationship with Jesus. Many will even say that they will not only say things, that they have done things for Jesus. Do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? I think R.C. Sproul is correct when saying that today we live in a world, if you ask, if, and I don't know if you, when you share the gospel, and I hope that you're continually sharing the gospel with people, but if you just go and meet probably 90% of people outside and just share the gospel, you'll find out probably 90% say they believe in God. 90% will probably tell you they believe in Jesus. The reality is many of them really do not live what they say and listen that's not only a problem outside the church it's also a problem inside the church I like what Sproul said this Jesus is saying in Matthew that in the last days people will not come who do who would I mean people last day people will come who would declare Lord Lord to signify they know him intimately and they have a personal affection for him but the problem is, as Sproul says in this, in the, in the Christian community, people say, do you know Jesus? Yet the issue is not whether they know Jesus. The issue is whether Jesus knows us. Look at the passage of Scripture in Matthew 7. Jesus says, Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There's many who will be like Judas on that day who declare, oh, I, yeah, I know the Lord. I believe him. I believe that he died for me. I believe he died on the cross. And there'll be many on that day that Jesus will look at them and say, listen, leave me, depart from me, for I never knew you the reality of this passage in Luke and Mark Judas may have declared that he was his rabbi but Judas was not known by Jesus Judas did not have faith in Jesus 
How do we know that? Not only by his words, but also by his actions. His actions betrayed. Look at what happens in this passage of Scripture in verse 45. And when he came, he went up at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. A, a kiss on the cheek is it's something that we are not common with, but it's something that's very common in Scripture that a kiss on the cheek or a kiss on the hand was a common gesture of affection. It was something out of reverence that was given to someone who was your teacher or someone who's your mentor or someone that, um, that you looked up to. And so uh, this was common for them to do that. Judas had told them that I will go to him, right? And the one that I kiss on the cheek, that is the one. That's who you siege, right? That's who you take. That's who you capture. That's who you carry away. It's interesting, Luke's account, Luke's 22's account, verse 47 through 48, it says when the crowd came upon Jesus, and as they came to Jesus, and he calls him rabbi, after the words rabbi, Luke tells us that Jesus stops Judas before the kiss and says these words. Jesus says to him, Judas, would you betray me? Would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? It's amazing to think that here Jesus sees Judas coming. He hears Judas' words. Just before even the kiss, Judas, Jesus stops Judas. You know, it's interesting that the costly perfume that we see in Scripture, we see in Luke's account, the lady coming in and she takes the perfume and she uses her hair to... to um, to wipe Jesus' feet, and we see in Scripture that she kisses Jesus' feet. And kissing Jesus was an act of devotion, but here, Judas' kiss was an act of betrayal. Can I tell you today, the interesting about this passage of Scripture, sometimes we hone in on this and look only to Judas, but Judas was not the only one to betray Jesus in this passage. There were others. If you pick up with me, kind of go back to last week's passage of Scripture, Mark 14, 26 through 31. As they were leaving the Passover meal and having that last Passover, the first communion, as we looked at a few weeks ago, Jesus pro prophesied about what was about to happen as he'd done many times. And he says to them, he quotes Zechariah 13, and he says in verse 27, Jesus says to them, you will all fall away, for it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But I am... After I am raised up, I will go before you in Galilee. So he prophesies what Zechariah says, that God would strike the shepherd, and when he struck the shepherd, the sheep would scatter. The shepherd is Jesus. The sheep are disciples. And he declares, hey, I, I, as he said, the scribes, Pharisees, they're going to they're capture me, they're going to crucify me, they're going to kill me. And he says, listen, when they strike me, you're going to scatter. You remember what Peter says? Peter says, and we see in this passage, verse 29, Peter says, even though they all fall away, I will not. Peter declares, he will not fall away. Jesus goes further and kind of gives another prophecy, but just in particular with Peter. He says in verse 30, Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But verse 31, he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Now look at what verse 31 says. And they all did the same. 
So all the disciples, Jesus declares, they'll strike me, you're going to scatter, you're going to run, you're going to flee. Peter says, I will not, Lord. If everybody in this room does, I will not do it. He says to Peter, you will deny me three times. And he says, even if I have to die, Jesus, with you, I will not deny you. And then all the other 12, yep, yep, he's right. I'm with him. I'm with Peter. Yep, if I die too, they all declare, right? Look what happens. Go back to the passage of Scripture. In verse 45, and when they came up to him um, at once um, and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him, and they laid hands on him and seized him. But the one of those who stood by him drew his sword. That's Peter. We know that from another account. And struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. In verse 48, Jesus said to them, talking to the ones who've come after him, have you come out against a robber, talking of himself, like you're treating me like I'm some ruthless criminal, basically what he's saying, with with swords and clubs to capture me. He says, day after day I was um, with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. Jesus is talking about his sovereign hand of God that's working here. He is not only seeing the sovereign hands, but he's submitting to the sovereign plan of God. But look at verse 50. And they all left him. And what? And fled. Who is that? That's all the disciples. Mark does something that no other gospel writer does, and that's in the next two verses. He tells us the story that a young man followed him and nothing but a linen cloth about his body and they seized him but when he left the linen cloth he ran away naked. There's many thoughts on who this is but many believe that this is the gospel writer himself. Many believe that this is Mark himself who wrote the gospel. Whether it's Mark or whether it's a young man there was this idea that it was Mark's dad who had the house in which Jesus had the Passover meal. And so it's believed that after the meal that Mark would have stayed there, helped kind of clean things up as the disciples went their own way. And that Mark would have kind of gotten ready for bed, put on his, his pajamas, if you will, and that was what the linen cloth would have been. And would have laid down for bed. A servant who was with the disciples would have saw the, heard the commotion, saw the capture, saw everything that happened, and would have read to the house of where they just came from and declared that Jesus was being captured. It's believed that maybe the servant, after hearing that, Mark would have heard those words and ran to where Jesus was. And as he came to where Jesus was, there would be, they would be following along not far after, and one of the soldiers would have captured him. And in fear, just as Joseph fled... From Potiphar's wife, he would have fled and left his robe there, his pajamas there, to get away. It's understood that this is a young man. We see scripture describes that. So we understand Mark would have been considered a young man. Or So whether this is Mark, and Mark is showing, listen, all of us, even I, fled. Even I betrayed him. Or whether it's a young man and, and Mark is showing, listen, whether it was a, a seasoned disciple or a young believer in faith, they all left him. They all fled. It's clear that Mark wants you and I to see this. He wants to see this as a fulfillment of what Romans 3.23 would say. For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Whether you and I want to admit it today, we've all said things 
that we should not have said. We've all said words that have betrayed Jesus. We have been a lot like Judas. We have said one thing and done another. We've declared promises to God. How many times we've been just like Jacob. God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. And God does his part and we don't do our part. There's many of us who have had words and our words have betrayed Jesus. We have said one thing on Sunday morning and lived and said another thing at our workplaces, at our schools, at our different, wherever it may be. We have all sinned and fallen short. Not only have, we, have our words betrayed Jesus, but our actions have betrayed Jesus. There's not one of us in this room that's not have fallen short of the glory of God or have not been like Isaiah 53. We have all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's a passage in Scripture, 1 John, it's a troubling passage, 1 John 2, 19, and it says this. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For they did, if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be plain that they are not of us. The imagery is that John is saying there are those who perceive to look like disciples. Talk like Christians, look like Christians. At, try to, you know, they put a persona that they're Christians or followers of Christ at this time. But John describes there are many of those who will walk away. They'll walk away from the church. They'll walk away from Jesus. They walked away from Jesus at this time. And Jesus says of those who went out from us, who left us, who walked away, they were not of us. Because he says, for if they would have been of us, they would have continued with us. I say that, I bring that passage up, because you come to this passage of Scripture, and you see Judas there. But you see all the other disciples do the same. So how do we know who are true followers, and how do we know who are not followers? How do we distinguish between the two? Well, I think we distinguish by what they do. What do they do? Well, the disciples hear what? They had faith, and their faith led to what? Repentance. I was reading a book this week. Um, it's by Heath Lambert. It's, it's called a, a Theology and Biblical Counseling. He tells the story of a church member. His name was Randy. Randy um, is someone he built a relationship with for some time and had gotten to know. And At the time, he did not realize, but Randy had a severe issue with pornography. Do you know pornography is a, a more rampant issue in our world today than ever? It's believed a high percentage, like 75% of men, have looked or struggled with pornography. One um, professor that I recently had a, um, talked with said that um, it's, it's just a matter of the majority of men are battling it. It's because it's so accessible on the Internet and TV and different things now. This Randy was struggling with pornography. He was looking at pornography up to f four or five hours a day. Would stay up all night looking at it. He didn't tell anybody. He didn't tell his pastor. He didn't tell anybody at church because he was so ashamed of his sin. One day that changed. Randy had met a lady online and 
They had agreed to, to meet for an encounter. But just before he met, just before they met, he fell under conviction. And he came to his pastor for help. Randy and the pastor began meeting for counseling. The community of the church began ministering to Randy. He was in a small group. He, they found an accountability partner with somebody in the church. And they began meeting accountability. They began meeting once a week with the pastor and other counselors who were in the church. He even so, he was so severe they even had someone in the church um, move in with Randy to help him keep him accountable. Make sure he stayed away. Things were going so good for Randy for a while. And then Randy fell off. Stopped coming to church. Stopped counseling. Stopped meeting with accountability partners. Stopped it all together. Randy walked away. The pastor and his small group leader and his accountability partner kept reaching out, kept seeking after him, kept going. But it's one of these issues, just like this passage, is he, he's walking away. Maybe he wasn't one of us. Actually, church went so far because of their love for Randy, they practiced church discipline on him. And they removed him from the body of Christ. A year later, less than a year later, Randy repented of his sin and came back. He was restored. He got free from pornography. And today, he's a leader in this church. That's a story of faith that leads to repentance. I tell you that story today because I know that's in the sound of my voice. Listen, there are many, many people that you're struggling. You're struggling with your words. You're struggling with saying one thing and praising, I'll magnify the Lord Magnify within me today, and then tomorrow morning you'll be, you'll be worshiping something else. There'll be those in this room today and who are watching online who will declare that you want to follow the Lord, and you'll declare that, and you'll declare that you love the Lord, and you'll leave this place, and you'll evolve yourself in something else just like Randy did. And your words and your actions are betraying the Lord. And many times you're just like Randy. There are many of those that are here, and I promise you there's, some, there's also people watching online. And right now, you're wrestling with this sermon because you're running. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to deal with your sin. You don't want to deal with what you're talking about. You don't want to deal with the things that, the actions are in your life. You don't want to deal with what you're doing about Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You're perfectly happy of just coming to church on Sunday morning, just listening, singing a few songs, and living a completely different life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You don't want a small group because you don't want anybody to hold you accountable. You don't want to, to reach out to pastor for help because you don't want, you don't want your friends or your loved ones, your, your Christian family members to talk to you about some things in your life because you don't want to deal with them. And you're just like Randy. You're running. You're running. You're running. And listen, the good news is today that Jesus died for all. He died for Jesus and he died for all the disciples. So it doesn't matter where you are today, whether you are a true follower of Christ or you're someone who's running. Jesus died to forgive you of your sins. Like Isaiah said in that passage, 
We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Today, listen, listen to me. Today is a choice for you, a decision for you. Will you put your faith in Jesus that on that cross he died for your sins? He died for your words. He died for your actions. Will you put your faith in that today? And listen, today, will you like those disciples where you repent and come back to Christ? Will you declare your sins to the Lord? Lord, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Today, will you confess? He will forgive. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray that in this moment we would not not think about someone else and how they really need to hear this sermon or really hope they were listening. I pray in this moment, God, we would consider our own heart, our words, our actions. When I pray, there's those here today that say, Lord, there's some things that I've been saying. There's some things that are coming from my mouth that are not been of you, God. And I need to repent and come to you, Lord. I pray there'd be those today that may be living in some sin and who are ashamed like Randy in that story that we just shared. And Lord, I pray there'd be those today that would come to you in repentance and find today your loving arms of forgiveness and grace. And Lord, today you are a God that wants to restore, to lead us to repentance. Lord, we thank you that your word says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive. Thank you, Lord, that when you declared, may Scripture be fulfilled, Lord, you went willingly to suffer and die that we might be forgiven, that you might be our substitute. So, Lord, may we place our sin on you, Lord, today. Lord, lead us in this time of invitation, I pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.